Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnified Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And today's guest would not want another senseless beating. I'm Andrew. Jen, nailed it. <laughs> and this is our podcast. And we really wanted to go out of our way to not talk about that song, but... It doesn't come up know. in the interview. It does not come up in the interview because um, we're better than that. We're we're better than that. But uh, we are talking to Micah Ortega, Five Iron Frenzies, guitarist. We get into the whole lead guitarist business straight away. But yeah, so we have a good conversation with him. That'll be coming up in a bit but we have some um we have some business that we need Mm. to we need to attend to Mm. uh john we we have a we have a patreon we do we do yeah so we have um people come in for our for our additional content Mm -hmm. like today for this episode uh the post game we're going to be doing our a Joy Boys segment because we haven't done one of those in a while and uh I am a very a very emo boy <laughs> with a large emo boy heart and <laughs> I need to remind myself hey cheer up emo kid you need to you need to be a little joyful today that's right so what do you hey hey boy you should be what you why don't you turn that frown upside down and tell me what tell me what's making you happy oh, i don't know I don't what like i have this no character. idea what, <laughs> i don't know what this voice is i apologize i'm sorry uh, but if you want to if you want to hear what's bringing us joy this week you gotta you gotta subscribe to that patreon baby yeah you can uh you can do that over at patreon.com slash magnified pod for such uh special bonus goodies as, as mentioned here and uh we want to shout out our newest patreon punk caleb knox oh shit <laughs> thank you caleb uh we appreciate our uh, our growing ranks of patreon punks uh check out some of uh some of the cool bonus stuff we have going on over there yes we we appreciate we appreciate you all um it is a uh, it is a good time, you know. I uh, speaking of Patreon punks, John. Mm-hmm. We I got a um, a text from our boy Danny Stairs, mm. uh, Patreon punk numero uno. Yeah, uh, our very our very first Patreon punk. That's right. And uh, he he has asked me about uh, what we had mentioned on one of our episodes, and I think in one of our post games about doing a magpod book club yeah so i uh i think we need to Might have to get do into that it. you know because yeah. danny danny's into the idea you and i were both into the idea and i think it might be cool to 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 do some of that yeah um, i support that so we have some voicemails some that we didn't get to 
last week. So last episode, I, th- I think I talked about David Robledo, who recently became a Patreon punk and how he's one of the uh, OG MagPod people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have uh, our boy uh, Jason Ariano, mm-hmm. who is also a very old school. I think he was th- maybe the first person to se- ever send us an email. Because I remember, right, yeah. I think Jason was the very first person to send us um, an email, and he's been with Ma- uh, been part of Magbo- Magpod Nation for a long time. OG. Uh, he's an OG. He is straight up an OG, and uh, um, and he has he has an issue <laughs> with uh, is he takes an issue with the too many Dannys. What's up, guys? Jason Ariano here. Um, just have to say, I don't know why you guys, what you guys have against Jason's. It seems <laughs> obvious since you guys are only playing Daniel voicemails. Um, so screw you guys. Uh, just playing. But, uh, just had to mention a couple of things. Uh, Reese, uh, I sent him a message about the, his new song, uh, Employee of the Century. I love the, the lyrics because, as you guys know, I work at a grocery store. The first day of the pandemic, I sent him this story about, uh, this customer came up. I worked in the deli. This customer came up. I was past my fifth hour. We're supposed to take our fifth lunch by our fifth hour. So I had to take my lunch. So there was another employee there. So I told this customer, hey, I'll be right. I got to take my lunch, but she can help you. And the customer looked at me and said, nobody gives a damn about you. Get me my damn ham. That was just the pandemic. What? I've been dealing with this shit for a few months with customers. It's been crazy. But uh, I sent that story to Reese, and Reese responded right away. He said the name of the new album is going to be Get Me My Damn Ham. So <laughs> I thought that was cool, Reese. Uh, I think you'll actually call the album that, but uh, I appreciate the message back, Reese. And uh, you guys mentioned with Scott and everything. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Israelites. Uh, I know you guys have mentioned the specials and uh, bands like that. The Israelites yeah. were a very traditional Scott reggae band. I was actually good buddies with them. Used to work their table back in the mid nineties, late nineties. Um, that was known as hardcore Jason because I was all in the hardcore back then. So, uh, you guys check the Israelites out. Very traditional ska, uh, reggae. Um, and then you guys mentioned U2. Uh, I used to love U2 until I started working at a grocery store and they play their damn music all the time. <laughs> now I hate U2. Uh, yes. I actually went to the Rose Bowl show. Um, actually wow. recently gave the shirt to, uh, a Goodwill. Uh, just because I hear you two every damn day at work, and now I hate them. So, uh, MacPod for life, and if you guys don't play more Jason voicemails, <laughs> I will start listening to new podcast. Oh, All man. right, take care. Bye. <laughs> yeah, <words>. we, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, we have Jason. He's he's from L.A. We have a, uh, uh, I think we have a Jason from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. There um, are several Jasons in the rotation. Yeah, we got some Jasons. Got and, a producer you know, Jason. We have a producer Jason. So we have, uh, yeah, we we have uh, too many Dannys. We have too many Jasons. But we, you know, we apologize. Got to show the Jasons. That's right. Got to show the Jasons some more love. And as somebody who also worked at a grocery store for yeah. many many years, worked at Whole Foods for many many years, I empathize, Jason, yeah. with the repetitive nature of of certain songs that you're just like. <laughs> If I have to hear this song one more time, I'm going to punch everybody in the face. 
you know, it's, <laughs> I certainly understand that, but it's the, that, some of the weirder you two that I'm, I'm most into. And you're not probably going to hear that at the grocery store. So you can maybe still appreciate the weirder stuff. Yeah, no, it's, you're, you're going to hear the, uh, you know, the still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, is yeah, you're going to, yeah. you're, you know, you're going to hear the, maybe some Sunday, bloody Sundays, maybe hear like some, uh, beautiful day, uh, beautiful day. Yeah. Something, something like that. But yeah. I also want to say per his story, uh, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but people do not be a dick to yeah. people who work in retail, for, who work in grocery for God's stores. God's sake, come These on. People, people are literally uh, risking their lives right now so that we can get our ham. Um, yeah. So be kind to them. Please wear a mask for the love of God. Uh, anyway, end of Stop rant. ruining things. <laughs> You're all ruining things. No, I know Jason is just trying to, <laughs> Jason is just trying to take his goddamn lunch. And I, you're I complaining about your ham. No, hey, no. I care about Jason eating. I don't give a shit about your ham. You can wait. I know that Magpod Nation is a, is a kind <laughs> and thoughtful group of people, and, and I'm just yeah. This is not this is not a this is not a this is a not a. I think I've, we've made this clear before. Like the yeah. you that I'm talking to, <laughs> society man. It's I'm talking about talking about society man. Um, uh, I also want to mention the Israelites. I yeah certainly know them, but not super well. Like many kind of older ska bands, so I, I certainly owe them a, a deeper dive, probably. Agreed. Yeah, there's, there's, I've been trying to listen to some more of that um, older, old school. Yeah. Um, ska sounds, some of those, that early reggae and, and mm. dub stuff. So uh, I, I'll get back to you, Jason, on that. Cool. Um, so our girl, Meg from Monterey, coming mm. back with a voicemail. Um, you know, I just, I just want to. Okay, well, I'll play it and then, uh, and then we'll discuss. Hey guys, it's Meg from Monterey. It's been a while since I called in. Um, I think partly because I was super embarrassed about my first attempts and accidentally calling Andrew's phone initially because it's what was on the Instagram account. Um, but then somehow <laughs> you guys fault. let me co-host for a hot minute, so I think I can get over my initial blunder and say hi again. Um, and I have some thoughtful thoughts on the last episode that I wanted to throw out there to you guys. Uh, but first I will affirm Andrew and his question, um, from this last week. I too am a non-spoily person. Um, actually so much so that I refuse to listen to the episode you guys did on the DVD, um, the five iron DVD. Um, because much to my shame, I still have not seen it. Um, it's a long lane story that I won't get into, but the point is I, I just like to form my own opinions before mm. I could be accidentally or subconsciously influenced by someone or something mm. else. So, like, for example, right. when you guys did the Bracement Saturn Anti-Meridian, I think I'd only listened to that once or twice before years ago when it first came out. So I made myself listen to it. Um, and same thing with Yellow Second um, a few times before even listening to you guys give your takes on it. So, uh, yeah, no spoilers. Um Anyway, I mentioned on um, Twitter, but just the last episode was so good. Um, I was smiling the entire time, and every time I think about Jeremy's impressions of Reese, I can't Jeremy. help but start laughing. But I do want to say I now sure. expect some future impressions from you guys uh, of Jeremy <laughs> doing impressions of Reese, because that also yes. just seems like something you guys would do. Um, okay, possibly a hot take. A hot take. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think I like the EP better than Engine. Um, please don't hate me for that. 
But just every song is so different and stand out in its own way. Um, I can listen to it again and again without getting confused about which song is which, uh, which I don't think is the case for the LP. Um, not trying to say every single song sounds the same, but anyways. Um, I do agree with John that the best part about the song Boomerang is that rad pre-chorus, but I just think that this EP is so unique, um, and it's really, really fun to listen through. Okay, final comment. I have, like, a minute left. Uh, you guys both have such a vast knowledge of music influences that I was shocked that neither of you brought up Foggy Molly when talking about the sound of two Astoria. Uh, yes. so yes to Mumford, yes to Neutral Milk Hotel, um, for sure, but you both mentioned that Irish sound, like, multiple times that I was just pretty surprised neither of you mentioned any actually Irish bands, like Irish punk folk <laughs> bands. Um, yeah, so... That song is like it's the Neutral Milk Hotel and Mumford and Foggy Molly had a baby. Okay, I'm running out of time. Bad clock for life. Bye. <laughs> that was a great voicemail, Meg. Thank you. Um, that that is a perfect voicemail. <laughs> I want so so Meg and Mickey are the two people that clearly take notes before they leave a voicemail. They have their points ready. They come with their points. They get the shit in under three minutes. And I'm just like, yeah, Magpod Nation. This is how it is done. Danny stares. <laughs> like you just look at, I got a, you got an 11 second voicemail from Danny. You got a 39 second, got an 18 second, got a minute 53. Meg comes in here. She's got her points. She's got her notes. She is ready. I, I love it. To, to be clear, we we welcome all voicemails, but uh, okay, you know. John. All right, you know, <laughs> this no. is your this is the Enneagram Nine coming out of you right now, <laughs> trying to be saying. the peacemaker. It's a, it's I a just big, <laughs> big ten here. <laughs> fine, fine. I just, I just, I also am like, oh, you know, she's like saying, let me, uh, let me, you know, <laughs> agree with my non-spoilery uh, approach to things. I very much appreciate that. Um, but yeah, we will you need to be worried about uh, spoilers on the DVD though, Meg, to be honest, there's not a lot of uh, narrative direction in that one. <laughs> that, that is, that is accurate. It's, it's not like there's going to be an M night Shyamalan twist at the end, but even, even still there are, uh, we, I mean, we talk about some things sure. on the DVD that maybe, I don't yeah. know. If you want to get totally fresh, uh, understandable. I'm just saying it's a, uh, three hours of people mostly, mostly wasting time. So <laughs> There's, yeah. we, we overall, I think we are, we are fans of it, but you know, that's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's shaggy. <laughs> but yeah, I think her po larger point is not wanting to be influenced right, right, right. by sure. totally, other totally. people's opinions. Right. So I think, well, sorry, that's never right. mind. Ignore me. <laughs> um, Fuck I you, also, John. I also want to say, Flaggy Molly was definitely one of the bands in my brain when we were talking yeah. about Celtic punk right. influences. Uh, I was right. super into them when they were kind of at their biggest, but you know, also Pogues and Dragging Murphys. And I feel like there's a bunch of bands I sort of had. Floating well, around. you know, the thing, the thing with like, like Dropkick is that they're, they got that more of like East coast, Boston punk yeah, yeah, yeah. thing kind of going on versus like Flogging Molly or even like Flatfoot 56 where yeah. they got, little bit more of a squeeze box thing going on and right. sort of a kind of a foot stomper versus right, right, right. just like yeah, your for sure your there's accordion and tin whistle and all that stuff yeah um, yeah i bally douse anybody oh yeah i saw that i saw them at cornerstone they they were chicago band so i don't know how much they reached the wider world but 
certainly a, a Celtic Christian punk rock band uh, from the '90s that played uh, Heart and Soul, which we've mentioned plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I think uh, if I think it's safe to say that if you're listening to this podcast, there is a chance yeah. that you're probably familiar with the, at least the name, right. the name Ballydows. But uh, I'm sorry uh, we failed yeah. you by not mentioning Flogging Molly in particular. I, the, yeah. that, that is a clear uh, correlation. I do, I, I do, yeah, but I think that's fair. I don't, I don't know why, because we brought up, to her point, multiple times, talked about Irish punk, and then we never even went any further than just talking about the general. Right. Um, yeah. I, um, I also want to say it is a hot take that you prefer oh, right. between pavements to engine, but I don't think it's a crazy take. Like, I like all the songs on that record a lot too. So, well, it's also, it's also on brand because Meg is on the record saying she likes all the hype. Yeah. We all know. And do you remember, do you remember why she said she likes all the hype? Cause it's a variety baby. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes that's sense. Right. That tracks. Yeah. This. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So she, I'm not well, saying, I'm not saying, I'm not making any comment about all the hype. We'll let the guitarist from five iron frenzy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, share his thoughts on on all the hype but i think i think it's it just seems like uh what meg likes in at least in five iron is something interesting something unique and fresh from from song to song and i mean i don't i don't think engine is like you know i think there's there's nice and fresh but it's yeah when you spread it across uh six songs you yeah you're gonna especially when one of them was on cheeses and then right one of them was like a re-recorded version of a song from engine yeah it's gonna be different it's gonna be fresh and interesting but it's a great ep we like all the songs it's true if you include a song like to astoria in your mix it's it's automatically gonna defer to being like the most (laughs) the widest variety if you're comparing those two records because it's so off the beaten path but i think they're both pretty eclectic in their sounds I agree. I agree. All right. Our boy, Robert Gay. Hello. It's your boy, Robert Gay, Robbie G, Rob, Bert, Bobbles, etc. The uh, future surrogate father of John's children. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Really enjoyed the episode on Engines of a Million Plots, and uh, it got me back into that album, which when it came out, I feel like I was a little disappointed. Um, my brother and I had talked about how we thought that Reese's vocals were too low in the mix. And I don't know, at the time, I, for some reason, I, I don't think I was in the same frame of mind as I am now. And maybe I know some things about the album that helped me think about it in a way that makes me love it more. Um, just going through the songs, I like Against the Sea of Troubles. It's a good song, but not my, not on my top three. So far, that's my number one. Love that song. I think it's such a great song. Uh, then... It's kind of, uh, it's either number two or number three. It's kind of tied with Blizzards and Bygones, and those two kind of just, like, move around in number two, number three. They're, they're sort of tied for me, because it's a great song. They've got that sort of yellow second guitar thing, a lot of Scott presence. Um, reusing some classic B-side yellow second material is always super cool. Um on the Skies, the band sounds really, really good on that track, but it's not my favorite, and I, I don't, like... Agreed. It's, it's a little posture Like, You Can't Handle This is 
a posture song. It's like a tough guy song, but it's the tongue is in the cheek. You know, it, it's not that serious. But tonight we own the skies. Like, I don't know. I don't really <laughs> like that. Uh, someone else's problem. Uh, I like the reggae groove, but like the oh, 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 oh. It's a good sing-along moment, but musically it doesn't do very much for me. I really like the outro. I'm Jack Merkin Revenge. Really good song. Like it a lot. Not in my top three, but close. Uh, Start a Fire. Wow. I always really liked that song, but now I love it. Didn't know about the recent Scott thing. Um, always loved the music, but now I get the heart of it. Uh, Battle Dancing Unicorns. Yeah, Life Staple. So much fun. Um, it is indeed moronic. You're correct, Reese. But it's very <laughs> five iron. Kind of feels like, um, actually, it sort of feels like you can't handle this. Um, sort of has that sort of blue vibe. Into your veins. Uh, Motion City soundtrack over here. Kind of has that sort of dancey vibe. Uh, also reminded me of Branston, if you remember that band, circa yeah. Nobody Dances Anymore. It was one of their album singles. Uh, it occurred to me that Into Your Veins is a great song to pogo to. So I would like to do that at a show sometime. Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> Robert Gay giving us this track by track. Um, so, uh, he has, he does, uh, he does have some more. So we got a, okay. we got a little, he's going to finish up the album. Whoops, got cut off. So Dark and Stormy Night, great song, great introduction to the album when it came out before anything else did. I got really excited. I love the 8-bit version too. Great job yes. on that. Uh, yes. I forget the person's name who made it. I've seen the sun. I, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Blizzards and Bygones is awesome. I really love it. The guitar is still yellow second. All right, so to recap, my top three are so far, and then tied for two and three, I really can't pick Blizzards and Bygones and uh, the Art of Xenophobia. Also, I just really want to say quickly, um, this has been a weird week. Uh, it is the 4th of July today, Happy Independence Day, and um, diving back into MXPX and Five Iron, especially Five Iron, at this time in this year is one of the things that has pushed me to be more involved um, politically. And I want to say thank you to you guys for sponsoring those discussions and to Five Iron for being a band who had a voice for social reform and justice. Um, I'm working with students and alumni from Belmont University where I went to school because we've discovered a link between them and a for-profit prison system called Core Civic. And we have been able to start a grassroots, a grassroots movement that's gaining a lot of momentum. And we're asking for the uh, university to sever all financial and personnel ties with Core Civic. Nashville, uh, as a, a city, has already done that, and the university is not following suit. So we're turning up the heat. Anyway, um, I think it's important that Five Iron is a voice that comes from a Christian kind of community, which is, um, I went to a Christian university too, and, and to reflect those kinds of values with a seriousness about social justice and reform and, and how we treat uh, what Jesus called the least of these. So, end of that. Thank you guys. Mag Pod for life. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robbie G. Um, <clears throat> so, 
you know, a couple of things. Well, let's tackle the album thing first. So, yeah. um, I feel like there's going to be, like, I think for at least both of us, the, the album coming out, um, you know, for people who had it when it, it came out, maybe their uh, hearts weren't prepared to find the, uh, uh, MXPX reference there. Um, the, maybe the album was a little bit different or not what they expected. And then as the years have gone on, it's changed for them. I think that's been the case for you specifically as somebody who yeah. listened to the album back then. And for me through the evolution of, of my listening to this, to some of the newer stuff in recent years and recognizing that I love engine a lot. Yeah. So no, I'd be, I'm curious. I want to hear more from people about, about that. Like what they, um, what their experience mm-hmm. was because I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a, a unique thing that maybe people were like, no, I love this record. Or if there are people, more people were like, yeah, it was my favorite, but now I'm super into it. Right. Yeah. No, I, it's, I think it's been fascinating and really gratifying to have, I think I've had the most fun talking about engine out of anything that we've covered on the pod, which is like interesting considering we, the unimpeachable nature of the early records as we right. discussed. I, I keep kind of hedging that. Cause I'm like, I don't know, like it, the, this, this record is really good. It might need yeah. to bump up the list. I don't know. We'll see. But fascinating. Um, yeah, just given, you know, full disclosure, when we started talking about doing this season, I was like, well, it's only the first few albums that I really love. And now it's like, I've absorbed so much and to have it sort of culminating in this place, you know, their last kind of output be something that I'm so pumped about and that we have so much to discuss, like is such a nice way to sort of um, not end, but, you know, to reach this point in their discography has been super fun. And I'm really glad that that's kind of, the place that they got to it would be a bummer if they ended on a record that we were like oh we don't really love this one but hopefully the next one you know it's been really cool to yeah yeah to really dig into it in a way that's made me appreciate it way more than i did when i first heard it so um i was just gonna say we you know so a lot of people shared their top three thank you for going track by track robert appreciate your insights but so far really seems to be on almost everybody's <laughs> list and was not on either of ours i guess not a huge surprise um but that's clearly a favorite for a lot of people. And I think Zen too, on most people's top threes, it was on yours. It was not on mine. I do love it. But um, yeah, those two seem to really be kind of the most popular choices. It seems like. Yeah. I, and we both said it was hard to choose sometimes. For sure. Like, like I, I mean, into your veins, I don't think that was not on. That was in your top three. Um, yeah. And it was not in mine, but um, if that seemed to be, yeah, another popular one, yeah. Um, but let's out to get to the um, mm. his his uh, thing about Belmont University and their connection to uh, prison industrial complex, um, and kind of connecting that to Five Iron and. Um, I think I think it's a it's a beautiful thing to make that connection to say like yeah. hey look for for people um who grew up listening to bands like Five Iron or any other band that had um political influence or, or, or a political bent to their some of their songs and were also bands of faith I think 
that that's important. And so now you have um, someone like Bobby G who is still an artist and also, and still listening to five iron and actively trying to uh, hold uh, his, these institutions accountable. And so, yeah, he's been sending, he's been posting all the stuff about uh, hashtag divest from core civic Mm-hmm. And there is a um, another hashtag hashtag be better Belmont and uh, a, uh, a, a like a call to action, sort of like a letter that people are signing asking for them to um, to divest from that. So um, I really appreciate that that sort of work, and I appreciate that his um, his activism in that area. And, and activism comes in all, in all forms, you know, and this is, and this is one that's personal. And so, you know, I encourage yeah. people to find something that they're passionate about and, and hold the powerful accountable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is something that actually comes up in our talk with Micah, but one thing that's been really gratifying for me in covering the band has been not only reflecting on how, they shaped us when we were growing up in these positive ways, but also how as an adult, I still like need that five iron, I don't know, spirit and, and focus on justice in my life. And I'm still um, challenged by and moved by uh, these new five iron songs that, that are, that are yeah. continuing to, um, you know, be in the social justice fight. So I am also grateful for it. I'm grateful to Robert for pointing that out and for the work that he's doing, you know, he and I, talked a little bit about it and um i think i talked about this in, on the pod in the first season but i for a, a story i did i, I visited a, a core civic run detention center in new jersey um Oof. maybe two years ago and it was uh extremely bleak it was um you know this uh, security guard gave us a tour and talked about how he was excited that their business was expanding and uh that's what we're up against right now um so yeah, we need uh, we need bands like Five Iron and other artists to be fighting the fight, and we need to be uh, carrying that into our lives through our activism as well. So yep, yep. We need sometimes we need those uh, finger pointing, burn it all down kind kind of songs, right. and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear Reese drop some truth bombs and, yep. and spit some and spit some fire. Indeed. Um. So. That's uh those are the voicemails we got right now. All right. Um thanks everybody. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um uh, so I think John, should we uh get into that interview? Where, where is Mike? Is he in the next segment? <laughs> I think uh, I think he is. He's <laughs> uh I think he's gonna be calling us from Denver, not from Toledo. Mm, yes. Sounds okay. Right. Let's so, get to it. Okay, let's get to our interview with Mike Ortega. Uh, John, today on the pod, we have the Five Iron Frenzy Shred Master himself, yes, Micah Ortega. <laughs> Welcome to Magnified Pod. So, would you, you, uh, your position then would be is is lead guitarist? Is that you know, and Sonny is rhythm, or what do you what do you call your your? Uh, I'd say I would say, um, uh, boy. I think I think it probably ditched all, all the lead and, and rhythm guitar players. I okay, think both of us are both of us are pretty solid rhythm players. Okay, um, but he will definitely lean more towards the um, 
like the ska stuff, like the ska. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stylings and and if it has more like metal or rock, then I'm gonna be the guy that plays a lot of the stuff. So not that he doesn't yeah. do that as well, you know. But um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be presumptuous and say like the lead, like you know, because I don't, I don't know, I, def, I don't know if there's like in bands if there's like a like tension between who's considered lead, like as in like I think there is I, the I senior. Yeah, well, like I mean, like I think that because uh, I've, I've thought about that for like for years, honestly, and I still, I mean, the only thing I can think of is the guy who cares the most about the the songs would be like the lead guitar player because he's going to be. Mm-hmm the one teaching the other guitar player. So okay. in that respect, it'd probably be Scott. <laughs> Cause he's right. sure. the guitar parts, you know, whatever, for the most part, you know, um, but yeah, mo- both, both me and Sonny kind of share, share rhythm duties and, and, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> uh, besides that, it's just like, like, I guess Sonny would have me do like the lead, lead guitar parts. Yeah. Um, but I would say that, um, the function of a lead guitar solo versus what a lead guitar player is, I think, I, I think are two separate things. So, hmm. and, and, you know, don't quote me on that. And please edit <laughs> that from the podcast. Um, I'm going to, uh, that's going to be the, the leading uh, description of this, of okay. this episode. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if there, if there's a song that's built around a particular riff, odds are that's you that, made that riff right Pro- probably yeah yeah okay that, that yeah, tracks with kind of what got, it was got like a palm muted kind of thing more than likely more than likely it is or or it was written with me in mind sure mm. okay they're like this will be what what will go here but michael will shred here exactly that's that's honestly like how like like when if you were to see the, the guitar prep videos that, that scott comes up with uh-huh. like it'll be he sends out videos to to, to or he puts it on like a a server or whatever, and then we tap into it, and it'll say whatever the song title is. Micah's part, mm. and then and then it starts out. You know, this is what I what I heard heard uh, in my head you playing, and then et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, so how much input do you have on that sort of stuff? Like, if Scott brings you a song and says, like, here's here's what I'm thinking, does he say? you know, add your little own little flourish or how did, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. On, on this, on this new record, more so than on the last record. Cause he was, he was like, this is the basic idea. And then if I heard something, you know, it's not like I try to try to go out of my way to like, I'm going to make my mark on the song, you know, whatever. But um, if I hear something that feels like it could be more interesting, then I'll throw in my two cents and, you know, it's his song ultimately, which eventually becomes our song. So if uh, my idea uh, holds water, then we do that. So, mm. so that's like kind of opens up the question about the songwriting process in general and yeah. your role in it. So, would you say that varies pretty widely, record by record, like how those songs have come together, depending on who's sort of driving the process at a given time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, on this this record, if. If this, I mean, being that we have all these songs, you know, and uh, they're not all picked for the final lineup of, of, of tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one tune that I, I guess, came up with the baseline for, 
And I don't remember if I came up with the horn thing or, or what, because it was such a long time ago, but um, we all, you know, submitted like demos and stuff and, and uh, Scott ran with that one. And uh, so okay. that was, that was, it's a seed of, a seed of, of, of song. Sure. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's something that we've kind of wondered about is like when there is a Micah songwriting credit over the years, is that generally like because there was a riff that the song was built around or is it more broad than that? Like, is it, it can just be whatever piece of the song you happen to. Yeah, like like, like for me, I'm, I'm definitely more of a, um, I, I, like I'm not, I'm not gifted in the way that Scott is and that he can conceive of a whole tune, you know. Sure on his own, whatever. And like, for me, it's like, I'll come up with something that I'm, you know, humming when I'm, when I'm, you know, vacuuming the house or something like that. And it's like, man, this is, this is, this is not a song yet. So I get it. sounds pretty cool. So you, know, you take note of it and you bring it to the, to the band or whatever. And, or, or, or you, you whistle it into the, into the garage band and figure out the part on the guitar and then figure out what would sound cool with it, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Depending on, depending on the tune, uh, um, most of the time, most, most of the time I'll leave the horns up to like Dennis, you know, cause he mm-hmm. has an ear for that current kind of thing. Um, yeah, I yeah. can't think of any, I can't think of any really horn lines that I, that I came up with mostly yeah. just cause I'm like, that's your domain and you know. Yeah. So at the, at this point in the band in the, how the band works, um, do you feel like everybody's kind of cemented their roles, so to speak? Cause you're like saying the Dennis kind of has like the horn, maybe that's his thing. Maybe you throw in some, you know, palm muted shreddy stuff. Is and yeah. is that sort of how things have yeah. kind of worked yeah. out to be? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's not, that's not the case for, for all the tunes, but like if, if anybody had their own role, like if we were, if we were all like the, you know, Voltron together, that, that'd be how it work. <laughs> yeah. We used, we used the Voltron analogy last week with, uh, All right. Reese and Scott. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you guys each have such specific different giftings and it's been really cool to hear about what each of you bring and how it kind of forms, forms this thing together. Yeah. Yeah. Play such important, but distinct roles. Sure. Sure. But yeah, I, I assume, think, sorry, oh, go ahead. I think live, I think live, I, I, if I were to bring anything beyond that to the, to the live thing, it's, it's, uh, I, th- I think I have a, a, a weird precision to, to my, my playing style mm. that, that, um, I think helps glue the band together. Like I have heard, I've heard, uh, recordings of, of where, where, where I've had to work, you know, and, and there's been like a, a show that the bands had to do and we've gotten a fill in guitar player. And of course, they don't know the songs as well as well as I do, you know. Sure. But um, there's definitely difference in, difference in style from guitar player to guitar player that helps or hinders the the amalgamation of the, the song, you know, on stage. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What was the um? What was it like shifting? Um. Once once you guys um reunited and Scott came back in a different capacity playing bass. What was, how did that change your musical dynamic with Scott? 
Well, like like with any band, you know, like the the bones and the the muscle of the the band is is sort of the bass and the, and the drums. Mm-hmm. And you know, Andy's always been a pretty solid player. And, yes. And uh, um, Keith, you know, before before Scott took over those duties, he uh, um, he um, was is he's he's a, he's a he's a good bass player, but he's very different in the way he plays. That he's definitely more um like mechanical hmm. which is mm-hmm. probably an asset because of a lot of those early bass lines were very you know right like taxing you know as a bass player you know you have a lot more uh jumping around to do from string to string than mm-hmm. you know, a lot a lot of a lot of what me and and keith would play was exactly the same like i I just matched whatever he was playing you know mm-hmm. and as a palm mute and um uh, it's less, I guess, real estate to, to, to cover on a guitar than it is at, at bass. So I think that, uh, that was, that was an eye-opening thing for, for, um, for Scott when he, when he took over bass to any, and he realized how hard a lot of those old bass lines were. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, they, they were, they were challenging for sure. So, um, so, I guess the difference with Scott on bass is that he, he he's definitely more of a feel player. Mm-hmm. So there's there's you know little like I call them like micro rhythmic expressions mm-hmm. that you can only get with being a feel player, mm-hmm. and and it definitely helps you lock into what they you know they call a pocket uh-huh. you know, when, you're, when you're playing with the drummer and stuff, yeah. and um, and I'm I'm very much a feel player as well so being that a lot of the five iron tunes like me and Scott will be playing the same thing or me and the bass player will be playing the same thing. It's, it, it, it helps to make that feel, feel a lot better, especially live, you know, in, a, in the studio, you can kind of slide things around and get the feel right. But sure. Live, you can't fake that. And right. It's cool. It's, it was, that was one of the, <clears throat> one of the things that felt really good when we first started playing together again, you know, uh, with Scott on bass, was it was just, it just felt so just so solid man like really good yeah so. yeah i mean we we talk about this all the time but when the band reformed i mean the music that you guys created i feel like is objectively the best <laughs> songwriting and playing you've done even though a lot of the early records are the ones that are like you know implanted on our dna for all time but like yeah, it's clear that you guys even grew in your proficiency in those areas as you yeah. as you came back, which isn't always the case for reunions. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. um we were just talking about, uh, before you came on about the playthrough videos you've been doing. Um, oh, yeah. and if folks haven't seen those, Mike has done a bunch of uh, guitar part playthroughs on the Five Iron Facebook page, and I've really enjoyed those. I think part of what you're talking about is the reason why, because you get to hear some of these flourishes that maybe were something that you've done only on the record or, or maybe only live that you're kind of explaining these different parts and how they come together. So it like some of these songs, especially that are built around a particular hook or riff that you've come up with. It's really cool to kind of hear some of the background on that and see the technical aspects of how it works. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was just like, so, okay, we, we wanted to talk about Boogaloo a little bit because you have a lot of credits on that record. It's a very riffy record. Um, and Farsighted is my favorite from, yeah, cool. 
Boogaloo. And so when you talked in the video about kind of how the guitar part was inspired by driving through the mountains, like I thought that was very yeah. fitting. It's this sort of like soaring um, yeah. guitar part. Like, could you, could you either say more about that specifically, or are there other kind of memorable song ideas that have come out of inspiration like that? Hmm. I mean, that's, that's definitely the most vivid, like as far as from like, you know, from a, a physical experience to, to uh -huh. that, you know, um, I'm trying to think what other tunes I wrote on, on that record. I think I did, um, I'm terrible. With, I'm terrible with names. Like terrible. <laughs> <It's so bad. laughs> um, well you, you're credited on pre ex girlfriend far, far away. Uh, you can't handle this far sighted the day we killed. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, good songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Far, far away. That was that was just I, I was just trying trying to write something that just sounded like just super almost atonal, mm -hmm. um, you know. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that that what Sunny Sunny plays the intro, you know that that, that just uh -huh. real, you know, sounds so like yeah yeah, and to turn and to turn something like that into a song that was like uplifting, you know, like musically that that was the challenge challenge for me on that one like I, I just wanted to take something that just sounded not good and and have it morph into like a uplifting sounding song so sure. um and the day we, day we killed that one was um that actually was supposed to be like a super reggae tune when i first came up with that one. Oh, <laughs> and you went the opposite direction yeah yeah so like that the the, the guitar part is is uh like that that was that was supposed to be like halftime and it's supposed to be played on a really thick bass fascinating oh that's sick that would so, be so rad yeah I'd be so into that <laughs> but but it, i guess we were at, the, at that time we were going away from the ska sound so mm -hmm. right. uh, we were like well let's take that and turn it into some some metal metal you know whatever or whatever yeah. that is, you know. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Let's 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 talk about metal a minute. Yeah, that's. I was just gonna say this, that's that's one <laughs> of our collective favorite Five Iron songs. The day we killed. Oh, cool. So yeah, I love how so many songs on on Boogaloo that you. I feel like it's not too far a uh, too far of a step away into uh, a metal song, especially you know, far sighted. You know that that little that little riff could be easily um, oh. extrapolated into a metal thing. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that was fun. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. So, was this because you know you guys are you went from all the hype which was all over the place to this, which felt like a very, like a much more cohesive and focused record. Did you, what did you learn from the, all the hype sessions to um, Boogaloo that, that it just seemed like that you, there was um, more of a cohesive sound across the whole record. And uh, a lot of these, sort of metally influenced riffs um, that, you know, sort of was a very different sound than what you guys had been doing. 
That's sort of a that's sort of an all over the place question, but um. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what we learned from all the hype was to never make that record again. <laughs> it was a terrible record, man. I mean, there's a there's a few songs on it that were cool, but it was just it was we were basically just struggling to try to fill Scott's shoes, you know. Right. And and one of the things that Scott does is he creates tons of content. Like, mm-hmm. like, and which gives you just a, a load of stuff to, to pick from. And when, when you're not as prolific as, as, as Scott is, you are shooting for, shooting for the, um, uh, albums worth of, of, of music. And I don't think any song got cut on that record. It all ended up on that record, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there was some terrible songs on that record. <laughs> well, I got some, you got some Reese rapping on there. So you definitely, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's some <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the bottom of the barrel for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess from that, from that, I think we, I guess, rediscovered our wheelhouse a little bit and that we're, I mean, I mean, if you, if you to, to you know, roll back time and all that, like we started out as a, a, a metal band, you know, like right. before, before five iron, you know, like it was, we were thr- that thrash metal band. So yeah, that's that, that I feel like that has always been a an element to our music, what, you know, and it's definitely been toned down like a lot, just just because it, it's it's weird. I think it's weird to do full on thrash and ska, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I just I just love you know before I really knew kind of the. Um, how much of a metal fan you were? I and like I would listen through some of these records. I'd be like that, like throughout this podcast, you're like that. Definitely sounds like a Micah kind of yeah. style of riff, and yeah. um, well, and, and a lot of that too is like Dennis writing writing a tune that's like this is this is this is in Micah's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mean, he's writing it for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, so like, and I just, th- but I also think of like, um, even on, on uh, earlier you have on fistful of sand, you get, you get a little, things get a little screamy and stuff. So are yeah. you, uh, is that, were those, uh, your vocals on that, on that early record? Or was that Reese doing the, the, the plastic I bags of no cane? Um, that might've been, that might've been, might've been Andy. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you do it live sometimes, right? Yeah, I do. I feel it like live, I've yeah. seen you do some of the. Yeah, yeah, that's like if you if you look really hard, you'll see me trying to remember the words. That <laughs> like a, right. it's, like a, it's like a plague. It's like a it's like a a band wide curse that we can't remember our lyrics. <laughs> sure. Yes, and uh, I mean American Kryptonite too, right? You're screaming along in that part. Yeah, yeah. So on on the record, of course, it was, that was Reese. Yeah. Uh, like that was that was the very last thing he recorded on that record, uh, because he knew he was going to blow out his voice. Right. Yeah. So like I don't know if you you, you heard, there's um I think some bonus footage or bonus like like audio footage somewhere I don't know if it's footage or whatever bonus audio recordings I guess mm-hmm. that uh, you hear him like yelling yelling he's like yeah yeah woo yeah that's him like trying to like apply rasp uh-huh. to his voice. Sure. So he's he's in the process of burning out his voice so that he could do that one part. Okay. The, you know, the, the very end of the whole 
reporting for yeah. the month or whatever. So right, right. Well, it sounded great, whatever you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um you know, we were talking you were talking Eximator there a little bit. Yeah. I think we should we should turn back the clock to the beginning here. Okay. Like we so we know that you're a metal guy. We know that you also know turntables, your DJ. Yeah. But you ended up in this ska band. And yeah, <laughs> how how has that kind of worked? I mean, did you have really eclectic taste or did you just come from a metal background and then just sort of organically moved into all those other areas as you went along? I definitely grew up as like a rocker, like like somebody who I just love, you know, metal and rock and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. As a kid, you know, I always thought like um, bands were trying to play harder, you know, and harder music and harder music, and, and that, and having not known anything about music as a, as a kid, I, I just thought that if you couldn't play hard, you didn't know what you were doing, you know, and you were, that, that, that everybody's goal was to play as hard as possible, uh-huh. and uh, which is not the case. I found out <laughs> um, some people like to write songs that are not metal. So. <laughs> right. uh, which was a shocker to me. <laughs> Crazy idea. <laughs> um, and probably, probably around, uh, I don't know, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. I started hearing rap for the first time, you know, and, and um, I was like, this is, this is like, this feels like, I mean, it was still relatively new, like mid eighties, you know? And uh, I was like, this feels like how I imagine rock, feeling when it first started, you know, it feels like this mm-hmm. is gonna be big. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember debating my brother about it. <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, this is this is gonna fade out in ten years. You know, nobody's gonna listen to this stuff. I'm like, no, 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 man. It feels feels like feels like like a big thing. Like it's gonna be big. Mm-hmm. So um, I I didn't like the early rap, like 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 um, the stuff that Reese kind of tries to do, um, which um, is very I mean he's older than me by a few years so his his exposure to rap is <clears throat> the older older rap you know right. which sounds more like the party the party stuff like the Brooklyn style like uh-huh. um, yeah. party rap it's like whatever and the stuff that I was exposed to was was um, like the like the political rap like the uh, um, public enemy and NWA and yeah stuff would eventually be you know, turn into like gangster rap and stuff like that. Um, and this is a meandering answer. This is good. It's perfect <laughs> for us. That um, That is our wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. The meander. It's yes, nice. Exactly. It's nice. <laughs> but that, that episodes that I've, that I've heard. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it feels very luxurious as far as like, like the amount of time that's spent on things. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Settle in, settle yeah, in. Right. <laughs> we take our we take our sweet sweet time. Uh, so yeah, so so I guess if you were to break down my my main influences, it would be it'd be metal, rap, and probably electronica. Okay. Um, hmm. Those are, those are the three the three things that I that I that I dug and like turn t- like turntables and stuff. That was um when that, when that was you know starting out, it was um, you know like DJ Jazzy Jeff and those guys mm-hmm. and. Uh, I just thought that was a cool way to do, to do rhythm, you know, like, and, and, and I'm, I, at heart, I'm a rhythm, rhythm guy, you know, like, I, I just love intricate, fast rhythms, 
Mm-hmm. And it can be played on a guitar in like death metal way, or it can be played on a turntable in like a turntablism sort of way. So mm-hmm. um, seeing that whole like that whole style of, of musicianship develop was really cool. Um, they'd have like the DMC you know championships with um, different turntablists that would do scratch routines. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like so, so I guess the differentiation you'll be in uh, a turntablist is a, a, a musician who, who scratches to to make it a, an instrument, you know. And a DJ is a guy who plays music and will throw in scratches every once in a while to transition gotcha. from one song to the next. Yeah. So I was as a like like turntablism to me was like, man, this is this is really cool, and, and it, it you know blew up for a little bit, and that bubble popped. But, right. Yeah. yeah. Were you into like trip hop when that was a big thing? Um, only as, as a background for scratching on top of it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because it would be so mellow and whatever. Right. What um, was it that... Sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, what was it... Um, you, you, you talked about um, uh, political hip hop. What was it about that? What was it about those that style, those artists that drew you to them? Was it was it specifically the politics, or was it uh, something no. like so? So you know, I, I guess I was an angry kid, and uh, like I like I was you know into like really heavy music. You know, for for a kid in fifth grade, sixth grade, I was listening to like heavy heavy music. You know, and it just I like the aggression. I like the just how aggressive it was, and in like Public Enemy, that was, that was the first one that I heard. That was like wow, this. It has the same feeling of aggression that that I hear in, in rock and metal, and it it, um, it to me it, it it I guess jumped and leaped through um, through genres. You know uh-huh. that was interesting to me that they sounded so completely different, but yet I could relate to both of them based uh-huh. on how they felt. You know, so I'm a very I guess visceral music listener. And, and that I like um, the emotional response I get out of music more so than like pondering like what chord changes are happening, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. So then when, when you guys decided to take the turn from Exhumator to Five Iron, was that, were you eager to do that or was it like no. difficult to decide to transition to? Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, I don't know if it was difficult really, but, but like when we started Five Iron Frenzy, that was, the idea was that we were going to split the two different bands and right. one would continue on to do to do thrash metal and then the other one's going to be ska core <clears throat> and so five round frenzy of course was, was ska core and then and, and uh, the thrash metal band was going to be called uh numb school okay and numb school never happened just because five iron like the crowd response was like people wanted that style music needed that style music at the time and so we we provided that for them. Right. <laughs> um, so you, I mean, you met uh, Keith and Reese, um, and that you auditioned essentially for Exumator, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, did so? Did it feel like? Were was it a point? Was there a point where you're like, did you did you make a conscious decision? Like I could 
I don't know, this is maybe sort of fun or the crowd's responding. Did you have like a moment where you're like, I'll see where this goes or were you, how close were you to being like, I don't know if this is really my thing because I, this wasn't why I signed up for sort of situation. No, I mean, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I, I, I knew we had something special, uh, like early on with, with, Re- with Reese, yeah. um, you know, being the front man, like, um, so I was, I was kind of on board for the ride, you know, for wherever, wherever it ended up, you know, like I, mm. I was like, we'll do this thing, you know, whatever, like, like, um, <clears throat> The first Scott song we did was that Amy Grant team cover. That, yeah. uh, I mean that's that's really that was that was what kicked off Five Iron. Like like we covered an Amy Grant team and people would go nuts for that. And it was like, oh okay. They probably can't tell that's an Amy Grant team, so it was probably something that that bridge, you know, or whatever that thing is that scoffing in the middle. And I and then I think Scott ran with that sound and yeah. So and, and for me like that the the rest of that song as punk rock as it was, was aggressive enough that it kept my attention. Okay. Yeah. You know? So I was like, well, we'll keep, keep going with this. And, and, uh, I guess that was, that was, if, if, if we had, if we had completely shifted to like two-tone ska or something like that, I probably, I might've been like, you know what, <laughs> there's nothing that I'm adding to this. Um, and I'm going to bow out, you know, but being that we kept sort of a hard, hard edge throughout, Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helped me find a home in in the band. You know? Sure. So. Which is interesting, kind of, because what we've been hearing, both with you know someone else's problem from Engine, and then the new stuff is we're hearing it's a little more two tone. So, do you feel like? I mean, I know that there's other songs that are not that on the record. Still, are you doing other stuff? But is that like? Does that feel? less like your wheelhouse now or are you still psyched to play that kind of stuff in the new kind of sky you guys are playing now so so far there's there's one song that i play like well two songs really that i played like the most minimal minimal you know on it and for me it's like but the songs are so so good Hmm. and like i guess i want to i want to say that this this new record is not going to be that great uh, <laughs> setting the bar low. Yeah, yeah. You gotta manage these expectations because what I've been hearing is that people are like, it's gonna be great, you know, greatest record ever, you know. And <laughs> Everyone, I, won't, I, won't, I won't deny that, but sure. I, I, I think that you should approach it with, uh, you know, trepidation. Sure. You know. Well, I mean, you know, everybody's like talking about. Reese's lyrics and you know Jeremy is super is super psyched about it and um Scott seems to be really excited about it too so I mean I don't know I it just everything that we've been hearing is uh so so I'll I'll say I'll say this like like production has always has always played a big influence on on how I how much I can appreciate a record and so most of our earlier records was I just was not feeling that much yeah, um, like 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 I think live we are a totally different band than what you hear on like, the first few records. Right. Like, like, um, I, like I, again, <laughs> like we're we're like live. We're definitely more of a punk rock metal band than than you you hear on the records. The records are like kind of uh, emasculated. Like I don't know why I'm here. Um. um like versions of, of what we are live, you know, and, and 
like just it doesn't it doesn't have the the, the aggress, aggressive feel that I think makes you know adds to the energy of the band you know and so um, I don't know um, stage presence is a big is a big key for you guys which I think has been the case for your entire career is the sort of uh, energy and charisma and uh, goofy aesthetic that, that is part of, that is part of the five iron experience. It's not, you're not just getting up there standing around and playing music. You're, it's just, it's a very, very aggressively, uh, you know, aggressive energy the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's been the case, you know, from, from the very, very beginning, you know, like yeah, people would people would come see you know, Excavator, and, and they, I don't know if they really cared about our music, really, you know, like, but they they wanted to see me jump around on stage and act to you, you know. So, yeah, so so on this new record, I think that it sounds the the, the you know I think that a lot of a lot of like music you forget that it, initially it's just sound is all it is, and if, you, yeah. if it doesn't sound good, you know, like if it's if you were to you didn't know anything about music if the, if the if the sound was harsh or just not pleasant to listen to i think that nobody would like music and i and i think honestly um for a while i think like a lot of music just sounded like poorly recorded you know and i think that this is i mean not, not just not just us but across the board i think there's a lot of really terrible recordings and i think this this record sonically just sounds great like sounds sounds really good like a step up even from engine i kind of think so yeah wow which seems to be like consensus among everybody involved with it i feel like yeah yeah back to raising the bar again but uh. right (laughs) right yeah Yeah. it's gonna be cool man i mean that was one of the things that the band seems to talk about too is starting with engine kind of working with Jeremy, like maybe what are some of the things that were different in the process? And I feel like people have pointed to capturing the live sound a little bit more in the recording than maybe has been typical for other albums for you guys. Like, have you found that to be the case in producing these last couple? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Like before, before, you know, the live sound, I think to us was just, um, make it faster, you know, like, like, cause everything, everything, you know, back, back when we were touring, you know, the first eight years around, it was, it was not playing any kind of click track. You know, like if right. you, now we have an in-ear system that has the click, you know, in our, in our ears. So we're consistent as far as tempo goes. But right. back, back then it was like, whatever your adrenaline did, did be, like, <laughs> how fast yeah. you're so, which is like, I don't know if you heard the, the demo version of, of old West, like, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Halftime. It's so yeah. slow. Yeah. It's like so, it's <laughs> Yeah. So so like the 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 way I think it ended up being faster was because that's how it was recorded originally it was and that's why it was called Old West because it just sounded like an old West tuning boom 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 It just sounds like old western music or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when adrenaline hits you, I, I start playing that guitar part. And all of a sudden, you go from a, a Western tune to a punk rock tune. Yeah. And you have the five round aggression. So. Right. Yeah. That's something that came up a lot when we talked about the live records was like 
so fast. <laughs> a lot yeah. Of songs. yeah. Uh, which is great for live, but I, I also understand yeah. <laughs> you know, the right. value of having a click track. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. No, 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 no. I, I was going to, uh, depending on where you're going, John, I wanted to, <laughs> well, I wanted to take a step backward at a certain point to, to some information we have on good authority about some of your metal background. Yeah. That's, that's uh, something I was, I wanted to ask. Yeah. Okay, I was going to well, ask you go for it. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you're a Striper fan. Um, I, I definitely was growing up, for sure. Yeah. So, so we have it on good authority that um, you there's a love of Striper to the extent that uh, you met them at Cornerstone yeah. and uh, sort of were super excited about that. But also, maybe you painted one of your bedrooms black and yellow because of striper um can you either confirm or deny both of these rumors uh not together now i I can (laughs) confirm one and deny the other okay okay um so so uh so the short the short easiest one to answer is uh my my bedroom was not painted uh yellow and black i just had so many posters that it looked like Uh. it Okay. So, okay. I, I, I had so many vouchers. It was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Leonor lied to us then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, just tons of posters. I mean, there was other bands in there as well. Like it was, you know, you know, Believer and Tourniquet and all these other metal bands. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that. And then, um, uh, as far as, um, Meeting the guys from Striper, I, I met. I met. Uh, well, I took a picture with with Andy and Robert Sweet, drummer from Striper, at Cornerstone, which was okay. If I mean, I don't know where the picture is now, but it is. It is. You can tell we are like in like, <laughs> like uh, ecstasy. I guess uh, <laughs> having, having met him, you know, is just like. I mean, he, his his childhood drummer hero, you know. And yeah. just one of the four, you know, in, in the band. So for me, it was awesome. But but the the cooler the cooler thing was was um, at Cornerstone Festival <clears throat> in Illinois. Mm-hmm. There was a, a a hotel that all the bands would stand, you know. And so it was just it was just bands, and um, we had gotten back from the festival that day, and saw. Uh, we heard that Striper was going to be there. It was the first group that were coming back, you know, to play Cornerstone and all that. And saw a group of people hanging out on one of the balconies there, and I was like, "That's got to be, that's got to be them, you know, whatever." So I uh, go up there just to see, you know, and, and it's uh, uh, Oz, Oz Fox, the guitar player uh, who I looked up to my, you know, my entire childhood, and he's he's. Uh, talking to fans you know you know all around him and stuff and i'm in the back and i'm trying not to crowd you know and and uh you know just patiently whatever waiting and and uh eventually he's like okay well i gotta get in my room and stuff and he makes eye contact with me and and uh and we start talking and i'm like yeah playing the band five iron frenzy and like oh yeah i heard of you my i think my kids listen to you and i was like that's, that's crazy so uh, went went back to uh, his, his uh, hotel room, hang out, and talk for probably an hour or so, and 
that was just cool. Like it was, it was, it was like something out of it literally was something like out of a dream that I had when I was like 14 years old. Uh So it was super weird. (laughs) So do you, you, uh, (laughs) this is something I feel like I asked, I think I asked Reese then. So this was a sort of positive meet your hero experience. Um, did, did you, have you had any sort of like, uh, any one of those meet your heroes experiences where you walked away, you're like, that did not go as well not, as I had hoped. Not in, not in person, but like online for sure. Okay. Where like, it's like, man, these, these people I looked up to my entire life and like, not my entire life, but like, you know, my, my formative years and they're, they've, they've fallen for, you know, uh, American nationalism and yeah, yeah. All, the, all the crap that you you, you think that they that you might have took away from your being influenced by them and yeah you, know, you weren't influenced by them at all you were you know right so yeah there's it's been a few of those it's just like such a bummer such a, such a bummer yeah that is seeing seeing a bad take from somebody that you're like admire it's just like it it's it hurts it's just like oh man how do i how do i now reassess how i think about you that's yeah that, especially like when it comes to like artist in the art kind of stuff conversation we have quite a bit on the pod yeah. like what do you what do you do with those records that were meaningful now and in, yeah. in light of like just sort of a garbage approach to yeah. politics and justice so, so, and that's so one of the one of the things that helped me out with that a little bit was is it well just my, my approach to listening to music has always been listening to the music you know and not necessarily like hearing the, the lyrics as as anything more than just um, uh just another instrument you know and so so a lot of the a lot of the songs early on i never knew the words to anyways you know so um, kind of, that helps a little bit. A little sure. Bit. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting transition point to talk about. Like the lyrics for Five Iron were very formative for us, for us growing up. Like the uh, the fact that there was this social justice focus of a lot of Five Iron stuff. We've talked about this a lot on the pod, but like mm-hmm. that was kind of part of our sort of awakening as kids to some of these issues. Um, yeah. And just the idea of not being fully at home in either the church scene or the punk scene, but finding a home in, in the five iron world. Um, is that something that you were always interested in? Like, were you hoping to be part of a band that was addressing some of the stuff? And then, you know, today with everything that's going on in the world, do you feel like a, a responsibility or a particular interest in continuing having the band address some of that stuff? I don't know if I ever really like had the, the vision to, to be like, this is the kind of band that I want to be a part of. I just sure. had, I guess I've always, I've always, <clears throat> since I was super young, like had a, a heart for, for justice, you know, and a heart for, uh, sticking up for people who can't stick up for themselves, mm-hmm. um, like the underdog, you know, like the, that's always been like that's always been like um, important to me, and I think that that 
what the band is now. It's it's fortunate for me because all those things have sort of manifested themselves in in Reese's lyrics and I think how we deal with <clears throat> everybody we come across. You know, like we try to I guess try to be. I mean, it, to me, there's no other way to say it, but like, like just good representations of who we think Jesus would be to, to people, you know? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it was important to us as kids for kind of setting us on that path, giving us some permission to sort of question the church, question social issues. Yeah. Um, but I also feel really grateful for it as an adult now <laughs> that you guys are still putting out stuff that still resonates with me along those lines. And I think it would be easy to, I don't know, not necessarily continue probing some of that stuff, but yeah, both as a kid kind of formatively and now as an adult who's Mm -hmm. seeing the state of the world, like I'm really glad that five iron exists in this moment. Um, And I feel like it, it is needed in my life in a similar way that I needed it when I was like 13 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's weird is like, you know, as, as, I, as I've gotten older and, um, <clears throat> you know, cracking open the Bible and stuff and seeing stuff in there that's like, this is exactly what we're talking about, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. like, this, this is like universal theme stuff, like throughout history, these things mm-hmm. have needed to be addressed and have been addressed in the Bible. So there's, there's, a, there's a weird timelessness to it that um, I don't think is a cheat really, but it's, it's definitely... Um, it's stuff that needs to be said because, uh, you know, the, everything goes in cycles and the, the stuff that I was reading as a kid in the Bible, I was like, man, it would be so crazy if, if we lived in a world like that. You know? And now right. it's like, dude, we're in that world now. Like, yeah. Yep. You mean if, if evangelicals actually lived the life that a radical Jesus lived, you know, like rather than like sort of the individualistic selfish nature that is we're living in our culture now where with people just Christianity. Yeah. Consumer, consumer, consumers to Christianity. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. It's all about, it's all about your own personal salvation. Everyone else be damned. It's all, it's all about, the personal and not about the corporate. It's not about the the body. It's just about me. And I mean, that's, you see how a lot of that is manifested and people just refusing to wear masks. How are you, how can you love your neighbor as yourself if you're like, but my freedom's the most important thing. I don't care yeah. if I get somebody else sick. I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. Then yeah I think you might need to pick up that Bible again, bro. Yeah. There's definitely a disconnect for sure. So. Did you did you feel that tension, you know, navigating the Christian music scene when that was much more of an industry than it is now? Like, was that for us as kids, it was really meaningful because it, it gave us sort of like a home and we found a lot of these punk bands and other kinds of bands through it. But also there was a lot of um, gross stuff <laughs> that was a part of that world that still is pervasive now within sort of like the church world. So I guess just how did you, how did you navigate that? The kind of tension that you're talking about now of like finding hypocrisy within the church or within living out Christianity while also being a part of it. Was that something that you struggled with or 
not so much. Uh, so, so I think my, my earliest experience with that is, is like, I, I, I grew up going to Christian uh, school up until I was in high school. Okay. And, uh, the, uh, the last Christian school I went to, um, had a teacher in mm-hmm. his fifth grade and, uh, she had just moved here from, from Texas and, um, not that that matters, but I was like, um, and her husband became the principal. And I was I was brand new to the school, brand new to the town. I we just moved to Aurora, Colorado, and um, <clears throat> and she was she was abusive. There's like no other way to put it. Like she was super super abusive, like physically abusive, like mm-hmm. like beating you know beating us kids and uh, intimidation stuff. Like like she she'd uh, do terrible things to us, and and she'd be like you know if you don't tell your parents. Uh, otherwise, you'll get expelled, and you have, to go to, you have to go to a public school where they where they beat you with uh, fishing rods and it, with hooks on them. And having having never been to a public school, I was like, okay, I mean, this is the Christian school, so this is definitely better. You know, it's a lot to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess for me, I, I remember feeling conflicted about the time even conflicted about it at the time even when I felt like very much a part of that scene and now I kind of look back on it with um you know some anger at like how some of the scene played out in terms of kind of like the you know the theology it was beholden to but I also feel appreciative for a lot of elements of it so it's just kind of a it's an interesting thing of sort of navigating that with people i find like how yeah. they how they felt both maybe um inspired by it or a part of it but also um were critical of it like i know five iron was so anyway mm-hmm. i know it's like a, a tricky thing to navigate yeah so so yeah i think that uh i think that that for me personally it, it helped me to differentiate between christians and 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 the teachings of christ right yeah like mm-hmm. like these people are are using God's name in vain, Christ's name in vain, mm-hmm. Jesus' name in vain, and and pushing their own agenda of, of abuse of power, and uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I was such an aggressive kid. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, I something that was brought up on Boogaloo, and something that we've talked to other members in the band is um, in some ways that the Christian scene was not really any different in terms of um, some of the way that the, the production, the shows and everything played out that even big Christian artists would like big time, smaller bands and like, like, on the song, you know, blue mix, you know, you're talking about like bands making the openers sound worse. So the headliner can, you know, come out and shine and, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like that's one thing that I, I think about when kind of John's point about it's like, so what, how is this industry operating any differently where it's just like, it's like, I thought this, this was supposed to be, supposed to be better and i think for kids in the scene who maybe weren't aware of that that sort of behind the scenes stuff did that did that kind of uh those was that 
did that make you cynical at all? Or were you able to compartmentalize, like you were saying, like the, these people and their actions are different than the teachings of Christ. And then you were able to just like kind of move on from it or did it still kind of bum you out? Yeah. I mean, like there was definitely like, like, uh, like it, I mean, when it comes down to it, it you know, the Christian's industry is, is, is an industry. It's a, it's the same, same thing, but different lyrical content. Yeah, it's, that's really the, the the difference there, and um, um, I guess for us, I, I feel like we felt like there could be a way to infuse the I don't know Christian ethics into into this business, you know, and um, have it be a better thing than what it was, which was just a mirror of of uh, just a, a regular business, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so when, when, you know, when you get pushback from, from a, a Christian industry, from a Christian industry, um, that, that was weird, you know, super weird. Like, why, why aren't we, why aren't we trying to be better? You know, like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So. How does it feel? I mean, I know any number of things are different with the way that the band operates today versus back then, but how does it feel different today in terms of like that industry certainly being different or you guys operating independently kind of apart from it? Yeah. Yeah. We're totally independent from that. Yeah. Which which is nice. Like we are what, what NXPX used to get in a lot of trouble for back in the, back in the day, like we're, they'd say, you know, we're we're not a Christian band. We're a band of Christians. Right. Which, which I thought was a was a, a subtle but important differentiator, differentiator, you know, like that that we don't just cookie cutter write about Christian themes, but it also just happens that we're Christians, you know, yeah. or at least six six of us in the LA are, are Christians, you know, whatever. And you find common themes through Christianity into you know a world of non-belief that that are still universal and, uh, you know, important Yeah, that we can all get behind, you know, like um, fighting for the greater good, you know? So, yeah. Um, do I seem intense? I'm sorry if I, <laughs> no, it's great. no, 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 <laughs> no. We're, we're with you. We, we yeah, really understand. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the eight of you guys, um, there's something that, has really sort of been hammered home talking to you all is how much of a family it seems like you guys are and how um, much you care about each other and um, how, how being in the band is, has been one of those ways that you can keep maintaining this connection and seeing each Mm -hmm. other, especially when you guys live in, different parts of the country right now. Um, so I wanted to ask a couple of things. One about mm-hmm. actually having what, it, what it's been like having actual member of your family in the band, but also having um, uh, your wife, who's somebody that has traveled with you in the band on a lot of tours and like what have been some of those um what have been some of the pros and cons of like having members of your family with you uh, mm-hmm. all, all the time, like being in the band or touring? 
Um, I mean, it helped helped to save um, a hotel room back in back when we were touring. You know, like right. <laughs> me and me and Leonor would always room together because we were family. So sure, um, that saved an extra hotel room. So it's been frugal. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it's weird. Like I, I didn't know that you know me and Leonor were were. Um, uh, related, related, or I, mean, I didn't even know she existed until we met at church camp. Like she was from like the Gre- the Greeley crowd, which is like a town kind of an hour north of Denver, hmm. and uh, their youth group would go to the same church camp that we that we, I went to. And uh, she was a punk rock chick, you know. That she showed to she showed to Exonator shows actually, right? And uh, and um, when we started doing the shift over to Five Iron. Looking Horn players, I, I told her that, and she was like, "Oh, I play saxophone." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So, like, she's like a sister to me. So, like, you know, she's my cousin. She's like a sister to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as as far as my wife, she she only went on one or two tours. Okay. Um, Did that feel like grounding at all to like have have your your wife there? Something a little some you know a little different dynamic than the rest of the band or, or was that overall like a it's weird like when when, when you I mean, when you when you're in a band like you're sort of married to each other like you're mm-hmm. all sort of one unit you know and as as people started to get married off um there's this um like a like sort of a splintering that happens with the, the with the band and that there's a bunch of multi multi bands that come out of it you know so everybody and their spouse is becomes a, a subunit to the to the core, you know, of the of the of the band, you know. So early on, you know, everybody getting married and stuff. It was uh, that, honestly, I think that was a tension kind of thing because you're not you're not just looking out for the um, it's the well being of the the band, but you're also looking out for the well being of you and your partner, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's hard to it's hard to navigate that I think from tour, um, because all sorts of stupid petty things and stuff. So that that can be a, a source of tension. I think, um, like me, me and me and um, Trisha, like she's my best the best friend. You know, like I I could spend like <laughs> I could spend hours and days and you know months you know with her and <laughs> I always knew that. Uh, we talk and not talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we that's the best in show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we always we always talk about that. But it's totally true. It's like it's like uh, she's my best friend. So yeah, that's really cool. I don't know that everybody would be able to manage those dynamics uh, that well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a challenge for sure. I mean, that's how a lot of bands split up. You know, Philco. Right. You know, one thing that that keeps coming up with other members of the band is kind of the role that that you play within the band um in terms of like being a good listener um making sure that people are kind of being heard and understood um i know leonard described you as being sort of like playing a diplomatic role in the band like sort of a cross between the thinkers and the feelers within the group do you feel i mean is that i don't know how do you approach the idea of the band being a democracy as it is and navigating a lot of different people's feelings within one band is like, is that an approach you take purposefully or is that just kind of the, the role that you. It's, 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 
it's uh, a result of being a middle child, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, I'm, I'm definitely a stereotypical middle, middle kid. Uh, my brother and, and uh, my sister, older brother, younger sister, were always, you know, at each other's throat and stuff growing up. And, uh, my brother would look to me to, after he dealt with her, and would be like, am I being harsh? Like, you know, and I'd give him my take on what he did. Mm. And, you know, and whether it was too harsh or not harsh. It was never hard, not harsh enough. It was always over the top, you know, whatever. So, uh-huh. um, and, and I, you know, I'd listen to, to uh, my sister, you know, and how she was dealt with by my brother. And so I think that always, uh, and it's, it's a very natural role for me to mm. fulfill. Um, so, yeah, in the band, I, I typically, if you were sitting in a band meeting, there's a few people that will dominate the conversation and have a lot of the ideas and I'll sit back and listen to it, you know, and listen to all the different points of view and stuff. And, and, uh, sometimes I can be a tiebreaker and sometimes I, I can be a, uh, like somebody who can throw my two cents in and, you know, it's a different, a different angle from what, you know, most people are thinking or, or whatever. So I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a vital role to have uh, someone play in a band in order to keep it functioning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the I'm lube. Right. <laughs> have you, have you, have you ever done the Enneagram? <laughs> no. Okay. I feel like I've asked several members at this point about it. Everybody's always like, I don't know, but I don't know. There's, there's one role, whatever, this is unnecessary, but there's like nine personality <laughs> types <laughs> and, uh, and, the type that I am is like the peacemaker, which sounds very much like the role that you played. So I just wondered if you yeah. ever do the Enneagram, I'd be curious if that, if that's what you ended up being. Yeah, no, I, 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 I've, uh, um, in your, in, in like listening to you guys, uh, I definitely feel like a kinship, you know, with, with, with you know, yeah. Let's use specifically. Cool. Weirdo. <laughs> we, we uh andrew and i balance each other out we have we have our strengths and weaknesses yeah, yeah. uh what what does that what is that supposed to mean john <laughs> you know what we'll save it for after the pod yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll we'll take this to pod therapy not while mike is here <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i i am the i'm just far more uh, yelly and spastic and emo. So I think that that John's sort of, you know, mellow uh, focused approach is just helps keep keep things a little <laughs> running. Yeah, about. yeah. But you know, <laughs> like if, if it was if it was a room full of us, like me and John, like nothing we get done. I, I mean, I could, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, hanging out and just feeling the good vibes, you know. <laughs> it's like what do you want to do i don't know it's okay whatever you want to do it's fine well i don't know it's whatever you want to do you can do whatever you right yeah no, a lot yeah. of that the difference between <laughs> us is like andrew came up with the idea for this podcast and makes it happen and i would never do that and yeah anyway yeah i'm so. on right so you so you you know my role in the band based on what your role is in this <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> Not a question. <laughs> so some other another tidbit that we learned from leonor you have a. She says that you have a, that you have a passion for adopting dogs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So can you talk? Can you talk about that a little bit? Like where that came from? And and yeah, sure. 
I was not a dog. I mean, I, I, I grew up with dogs, you know, whatever, but they were, they were almost like zoo animals as, as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. like backyard and all that stuff. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. my, uh, and, and Trisha, she's, she's like, just like, she'd rather hang out with dogs than people. <laughs> right. And, uh, so when we got married after the first year we were married, she, uh, convinced me to get a dog and got a dog and totally fell in love with this dog and um had her for nine years and then oh. she we had, to, we had to put her down or she died and we had to put her down so it was she was get her a little live almost way longer than we should have with medications and whatever that was a hard a hard pill to swallow so yeah. we were like let's let's we want to have dogs in the house because we, we we like that but um to sort of kill two birds with one stone uh, we were like, let's not, you know, have such deep roots with our dogs and, and start adopting older dogs uh, that, you know, nobody's going to adopt these, these dogs that are in the, yeah. you know, shelters and stuff. So, uh, and they're still, they're still good. And they got a few years left on them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not to sound like I'm talking about a used car, but sure. It's you know, it's like they a few more miles on them. <laughs> right. kick, kick the kick the tires. This thing's all right. <laughs> right. So so I mean, you come across some some cool dogs that that just were abandoned for some reason, you know, and and yeah. they rather than live out the rest of their life in in a uh, cage or whatever, and you know, a lot of these are kill shelters, you know, so uh, the rest of their life isn't very long usually after that. So. Uh, so to find find these little dogs and bring them home and have them destroy our carpet, <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's, it's fun and it, and it gives us a chance, a reason to have a, a fuzzy body around the house or a couple of fuzzy yeah. bodies around the house that that uh, that we can love on and and not be too hurt. Yes. Yeah. When, when the time comes. So. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's beautiful. Um, I I admire that quite a bit. And that's something in the many times I, I I mean, I'm a huge animal person. So anytime I go to a a shelter and look at old cats or something, I'm like, I would adopt, give me the ugliest, oldest garbage looking cat. I will take it. I will take it home. And you go, because everybody, like you said, people want puppies, people want kittens. They want, they want a model. pet that they, they yeah. can give to their kids that they could grow up with. And meanwhile, there's, you know, places full of, you know, pit bulls that are lovable and nobody's adopting them because mm-hmm. of the stigma. And, and it's just like, I've seen, I've seen uh, these little placards that uh, like, sometimes they'll say like why the animal was surrendered. And, and one of them was like, um, it was one of the pit bulls and it was like, it was like too needy and needed too much attention or something. I'm like, why are you getting a pet? Yeah. Yeah. Get a turtle. It's like, those, those like pit bulls are just so affectionate and are just so, so like, I don't think people know, like they are, Mm -hmm. they want a lot of attention. And so it's like, yeah, if you're going to get a, if you're going to get a dog, you better be prepared to, give it the life it deserves. So I, I admire you for, for that work. That's, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Off. <laughs> um, how many, so how many dogs 
have you had in, <laughs> since you've started doing this? Uh, man, I want to say, uh, I want to say it's either like nine or 11. Wow. Wow. So, you know, like it's like we get rid of them too, you know, like, it's you know one one will pass and we'll get a new one and then that next one will pass and we'll get a new one so it's it's uh like there's there's one that we had <laughs> she was she was like a little tank and she she lasted way longer than we thought she would she was looked like she had been hit by a car before because her uh wow. she had a gnarly scar across her face you know and yes. whenever we, and we were thinking that she was hit by a car uh because whenever we take her for a walk if there was a car between down the road, she just had the tendency to meander off the sidewalk into the road. It was like she wanted to be hit by a car. That's what it seemed like. Whoa, <laughs> so, weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of really, a lot of really cool personalities. Uh, you know, just really sweet dogs. So. Yeah. We uh, we got our dog as a rescue dog when she was three, and now she's thirteen, and she's a French bulldog, which like. For a French bulldog, she's like extremely elderly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she's hanging on. She's she's doing great. So anyway, you the, pill, the pills. Yeah, I mean, she's for, for the most part, she's uh, she doesn't require. She had like some skin problems. We got that under control. So anyway, she's gonna live forever, and it's great. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is accurate. She <laughs> needs to. <laughs> I uh, I wanted to ask about kind of something else, like personal life wise just so your day job now is is working for a sound company right yeah yeah okay been doing that for a long time yeah that's what i thought so i kind of wanted to know like had, had you been into live sound for a long time before that and then moved into that work full-time once the band originally broke up or what mm -hmm. was that process you know i've always been really interested in sound like when i was when i was a kid i keep on going back to when i was a kid but i don't know a lot of who i am since okay. from that like you, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I used to have this, you know, boombox that would um, have these detachable speakers. You know, and I'd throw a mm -hmm. pillow down on the ground, put the speakers on, you know, next to the pillow, and listen to music. And just I was, again, you know, music to me was wasn't just like chord progressions and whatever. It was the actual sound of it. You know, a lot of it was terrible. A lot of it was, a lot of what, a lot of stuff that was terrible sounding that I liked the music to. I was always interested in like why. Like what is it that what is it that makes me not like this, but yet I still listen to it because I like it enough, you know. And what would I change, and how could I change it? Just I'm very intrigued by sound. So um, when you start playing in a band, you know the live live is never, especially if you're if you don't have a good sound guy or a good sound system or good gear, um, it never sounds like how you hear it in your head. Like it's right. just it's always a disappointment, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, so trying to pursue that, what, what steps can we do as a band or an individual to make this sound closer to what we hear in our head mm. was always just intriguing to me. So but we had a, a sound guy that we had for a few tours and he was like a, just a mad scientist kind of guy. And uh, would obsess about sound all the time, you know. And so, and he, he would drive <clears throat> like this is back when we were touring, like a 15 pastor van. And he would drive a 15 pastor van that would have a trailer with uh, the PA. And, mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd ride with him just and pick his brain about 
sound and I'd buy um, books on like sound and read those while we're going from city to city and, and ask questions of, you know about the stuff that I was reading to him and, and uh, just learning as much as I could, you know, as much as I could. Just because it was so interesting, because because every night was an experiment. Like you're going into a new venue, setting up the same 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 as so you have that constant, same band, so you have that constant, and you get to experiment. So yeah, it was fun to learn. Yeah. So since you spent like a decade doing that, when the band you know broke up and then you got back together, how has that affected how you've approached sound or production now with the band? Uh, I learned that I was the terribly loud guitar player back in the day. And <laughs> the guy, the guy that, that sound guys are just like, dude, well, turn that guy down. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because I like, because I, I, you know, doing, doing in my job, you know, like wedding, weddings, uh, wedding receptions, like party bands and stuff. Okay. meet guys in there that, that have no idea just how loud they are. Right. You know, and so, uh, so knowing knowing that, like the ideal would be as quiet as possible stage. So, I I played through a, an amplifier simulator. So there's no there's no live amp on stage for me. Okay. And Scott has also started doing that as well. Okay. So if you were to if you were to stand on stage, you wouldn't hear you wouldn't hear anything but drums and horns and that's pretty much it hmm. interesting which is really a lot, lot, lot less gear to lug around yeah yeah well there's that i mean my, my rig fits in my backpack which is great wow. amazing and, um, and you don't have to deal with backline which you know you do what back backline is yeah uh listeners may not okay so, <laughs> okay yeah go go for sorry yeah okay so when you when you when you're a touring band Especially if you're flying from from place to place, uh, it's not cost effective to fly your amplifiers and play your drums from from city to city. So you take the important stuff like drummers will take their snare drum because that's their their sound, and sometimes they'll take their cymbals and their kick kick, uh, kick pedal, sure. and and that, that's a lot for Andy to take. Usually he just brings his snare drum, and that's about it. And then. Yeah. Um, Guitar players will take the guitars, one player take the horns. But when you get to the, the, the next town, the local promoter will provide the gear that you're going to be playing through mm-hmm. um, based on you, what requirements you have. So, say for me, it would be like probably like a Marshall half stack, and for Sonny, it would be like a Fender DeVille, and whatever, whatever Andy is playing at the time, like you know, DW or whatever he's playing so um so so with with these you know little simulator things you don't have to deal with backline which can oftentimes be terrible yeah like uh, like you show up to the site and it's like dude this is not anything what i had asked for it right. is it's going to be a stress to try to make our sound sound right with, with the skier like yeah hmm. so, that makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> does having I imagine in your monitors has, has changed things a lot for you guys too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a game changer for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild to think how quickly that has spread and just become the norm. Cause I feel like, you know, even 15 years ago, people were not using those a lot. So yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, from, from a sonic standpoint in the, in the crowd, you know, you're, you have a wedge, like, before interviews, you have a wedge that would be blasting your vocals and your guitar back at you. Right. Yeah. And that, that would, you know, cause phase cancellation between what was the sound system that was pointed at the musicians and the sound system that pointed at the, right. the audience. And there's this weird phasey thing that happens that makes it not sound good. And right. if you can eliminate one of those, then all of a sudden you're not having sound fighting each other in the opposite directions. It's just quiet here and full on. You know, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. so it gives the gives the crowd a much cleaner experience. Right. Um, yeah. I'm flashing back to so many crappy shows I played. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you yeah, play? Same. I, I played. <laughs> I played bass mainly in in the crappy punk bands I was in. But yeah, I, I played guitar and I played bass in one iteration and yeah. and like I you know I hate to be like you know, uh, the guy who's like, um, we sound like garbage. Can you help us not sound like garbage? And, you know, depending on the, the place, it's like, like you said, the back line can sound like garbage and there's like literally nothing you can do. And maybe the person mixing the board, you know, that the board doesn't care. <laughs> and so yeah. like, it's just like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? And yeah. it's just like, Hey, I, I need to hear myself or I can't hear this person. And yeah. you know, that, that's like, and, and I can understand, I can hear uh, sound guys right now, probably yelling at us being like, Hey, we're doing the best we can, you know, whatever. But like, it's like, I'm sure they, there's an, any number of uh, people who've treated sound guys very poorly, but you know, it's uh, I think what you guys are trying to do is like eliminate any need to like, have any of that kind of yeah uh frustration by just being like we got our stuff on my back in my bags we're good to go you know yeah yeah for for for, for what we do like our sound's pretty consistent from night to night and you know it, because we bring our own little soundboard as well as like a little digital mixer so it's as long as we're getting all all our inputs um it's going to sound pretty close to the night before um the room might be different, you know, for because the room, every room is different sounding. You know, the key at that point is the cons consistency of the audio in here that we're taking with us, which is the final piece of the whole puzzle. Right, is to have somebody who cares enough to mix for you and um, and do it well. Yeah. Man, this is just making me miss shows. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I really hope society can like, get, like get itself shows? together. Well, sure, but mainly like hearing you guys and other bands going to shows. <laughs> I just, I just want concerts again. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys yeah, watch man. that uh, Dropkick Murphys when they did the streaming thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. It was such a bizarre. It was such a bizarre sort of surreal thing. I'm like, yeah. is this? is this how things are going to be? Is this what it's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> is this, is this, yeah. Like, am I going to be able to get back into the pit and like throw some bows or what's, what's going to happen? You know? Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, fingers crossed by this time next year, five irons playing shows again regularly. Yep. Yeah. The last, I've brought this up a number of times, but like, yeah, the, uh, pyramid scheme and, and, uh, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. That was the last time I saw you guys. And that was, 
over a year ago. Oh, yeah. So, cool. man, it's, uh, I just, I just cannot, I just, I think my last, like, my last, like, honest, like, real concert was um, sometime late last year. So it's. Yeah, same here. You know, it's, it's gonna, it's, this is gonna be a very musicless <laughs> year. Yeah. And it hurts, and it hurts to say. Yeah. Um, my last show was Slayer. Oh, right on. Okay. They, they, they and, their, oh, and was it, and was it their, where was it on their? It was, it, was, um, it was three days before the last show. Oh man! Wow. What was yeah. so? What was that like? Awesome. Like, like I'm, I'm super. I'm super. Like a super cheap state. Like state. Like I have a hard time spending money. Like I just don't. So I, I rarely go to shows. But my wife, um, uh, she buys tickets for us to go. So she bought really good tickets to the Slayer nice. show. And we were, I mean, we were right, right up front. Like, I mean, like, just you can see, you can see the sweat coming off Carrie King, just shredding. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, we were, we were on, uh, on, on the opposite side of Carrie's. So. Okay, okay. So that's awesome. Still a good time, regardless. Even yeah. still, um, I feel like that is a perfect transition into. Um, a little, a little game that I'd like to play with you. Um, this is going to be sort of in this. I don't know if you heard the uh, the Reese interview, but this is going to be sort of in the same vein um, as as what I did with him. It's going to be sort of a, so, a Sophie's choice. I'm going to give you uh, a category and two options, and you're going to have to make a choice between the two in a game that I'm calling. Which do you like, uh, Mortega with Micah Ortega? Oh boy. Um, so, uh, I'm going to give you this category, and you're going to have to tell me which one you think is the best. Okay. Um, best Scandinavian metal band, Extol or Mashuga? I'm a big Extol fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they like if you were listening to Mashuga. They, they they do they're they're great you know whatever but Extol every album has been so different you know and like mm-hmm. they like they have like a a black metal sounding record they have a, a thrash metal sounding record they have like a melodic like fusion you know prog metal sounding record they're just and then, and then they're split just I mean I know it's not technically Extol but they're, they're the band the bands that have split off in them have been yeah. awesome as well so yeah. Are you a big Scandinavian metal fan? I don't know if I'm a big one. Um, there's there's a few that there's a few that I like. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, best OG metal band, Anthrax or Slayer? So I feel like I might. <laughs> I don't know. I, after I saw the shirt, I wasn't sure. So, but yeah, yeah. So so I mean, they they both hold a a, a pretty pretty dear spot in my heart um i would probably have to go with swear um that's really hard that's really hard one (laughs) swear like they're great live anthrax is is great live as well um i love anthrax's attitude like they they just don't care you know they're just like whatever 
which I love that because because like I, I, I'm not into like we're gonna dress up for our photo shoot and look all awesome or whatever. It's just right. They're they're <laughs> just like this is what I rolled out of bed and put on today, so that's what I'm gonna do to it. So that's very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, best hip hop group, the Tribe Called Quest or the Fugees? Tribe Called Quest. Yep. Yeah. What's your yeah. what's your go what's your go to tribe record? Uh Low End Theory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's just a great record. I, I, I like some of the later stuff, but it, it was never that as good as that one. I mean that was gold, amazing record. Uh what about like you're not a you're not a Midnight Marauders fan no, or no, I like Midnight Marauders, but that had not as ne- ne- not nearly as many great songs. Okay. Okay. Uh, since you're a sound guy, yeah, and a guitar player, yep. best guitar sound, Gibson or Jackson? Oh man, uh, I'm leaning towards Jackson just because it's what I play. But um, <clears throat> Gibson has a mushy sound to it to me. Okay, it's like a. It's like a like a gargly, gargly sound almost, and I, I, I think I like a, t- a tighter, a tighter sound. I, if I was playing a Gibson through like a really thin sounding amp, I think I'd play like that. But for okay. me, it's like it's like a guitar amp combo, like, um, and I like I like a real tight sounding guitar. Okay. So, yeah. Best Colorado brewery. Ska Brewing or Great Divide Brewing? Uh, Ska Brewing. Ska Which, Brewing uh, needs yeah. to make a five iron beer. I mean, yeah, yeah. Has that has that ever been discussed? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's been discussed. Like, um, no, but that would be cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we, we uh, me and me and Trisha, we, we went out there a long time ago to because it's like on the opposite side of the state, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we went there and had a few beers in their in their um, their tasting room or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I was tweeting, you know, that I was there enjoying enjoying some scrub beer. And the, whoever that it might have been the owner came down and met up with us and bought us beers. So it was cool. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's a that's a gimme. They got to go with the local <laughs> Scott Band legends. Also, we um, so three fifty brewing is like the the punk rock brewery in Illinois here, and they did brew a five iron beer for that show at uh, Reggie's here a few years ago. Oh, so cool. they gotta they gotta make that. I forget what it was called. Do you have any memory of this? No. They they brewed like a special beer for that show and had it there, but um, that needs to be cut. So they brewed like an MXPX beer too. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yes, yeah, so they, they need to make the five iron one packaged. Just just putting it out there to the universe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite style, or what uh, do you drink most often? Right, right now, I'm digging on like really light, like lagery kind of, you know, pilsners. And, um, yeah, like I've gone through all the s- different cycles of, of you know tastes of beer or whatever and mm-hmm. i started yeah. with the and stuff and uh went to ipas and like everybody did 
attention to still do bro still do there you go yeah <laughs> uh um and like depending on the time of year i'll drink different things but summer summer beers to me are like sours and fruity kind of beers and lagers and, and uh and uh as it gets to colder temperatures i started going towards like the um uh, it's darker darker beers sure so yeah I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it just feels like it's warmer or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard on like a hot July day to suck down an imperial stout. Right. You know, just I'll still just do it, dude. <laughs> still do Try it. and stop me. <laughs> yeah. I I will not. I will not stand between John and a stout. <laughs> um. Uh. Best food truck in denver pink tank or waffle cakes i couldn't even tell you dude like i <laughs> no i've not had either and, and there's like it's like hundreds of food trucks here so yeah like, what are what would what do you do you, are you a uh, a food truck person like would you would you hit one up or or you just definitely, i definitely would um usually usually they hang out outside the breweries you know so the places yeah. that don't you know, don't serve their own food, you go there and whoever's whoever's out there you check out and stuff. Um, not not at all opposed to food trucks. They they, they they do what they do really well. So which is all I want to get food when I was just do just do what you know well. You know, I don't, I don't need forty different varieties of cuisine. Just, just do it right. Whatever you're gonna you know. <laughs> Um, so I was, uh, perusing, perusing your Twitter, trying to get a, um, get a sense for some, some of these questions. And it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're a Bill Murray fan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd say a fan, like I, I okay. don't know pictures of them on, on my you know, <laughs> ceiling or anything like that. But. I'm curious <laughs> what the, what these tweets were. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, I just I'm curious too. I don't know. I don't know what's, uh, <laughs> did I just retweet some stuff that you, you said? Yeah, I saw. It's like, yeah, you've, yeah. It seems like I, I think I saw you follow Bill Murray, or you like retweet some Bill Murray stuff. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. know. I didn't. I didn't know if you're a, a Bill a, a Bill Murray stan or anything like that. Yeah. No, and I, and I honestly don't know if that's actually Bill Murray. Yeah, I don't think he tweets. Yeah, I think that's somebody who tries to like fill his shoes, like what he would say. Right. Which gotcha. pretty close, but yeah, yeah. There'll always be some like, I don't know, very specific thing, and it'll be like Morgan Freeman, and I'm like, no way did that happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the Did you see the Bill Murray thing that 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 documentary or whatever on? I think it was Netflix, I think. Uh-uh. Um, it's really good. It's um, let's look it up here. It's. Um, what people can it sounds that sounds familiar. I can't, but I can't place what it was. Oh, hurry. The Bill Murray stories. That's what it appears uh, to be. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the, yeah. Bill Murray stories. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, did you, did you, did you find it? Yeah, I gotta check it out. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's basically. Just people talking about their their interactions with Bill Murray. It's oh right, cool. 
Like, he, he would be he would be great on the pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get, get, get him on the pod. Yeah. Huge well, Christian so, Scott fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Huge tooth and nail fan. Right. Um, but all that to say, uh, Groundhog Day or Ghostbusters? Groundhog Day. Are you a... Are you... I mean, I know, like, there's a different sort of a... You know, Groundhog Day, he's more of the, the central character. Ghostbusters, more ensemble, but... Um, oh, so, oh, so we're talk, we talking Bill Murray? Just... Yeah. Oh. Uh... I, I think I like Bill Murray's character more in, in Ghostbusters. I think okay. I like the overall movie uh, Groundhog Day better than Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. It's fair. Fair. Um, and uh, best Marvel superhero, Captain America or Iron Man? Iron Man. Yeah. All right, it's, so I'm currently going through all of the uh, the, the MCU movies, so um, no spoilers, please. <laughs> I, fantasy, I, I, so uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about with fantasy. Marvel uh, Cinematic Marvel, Universe. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I I, I kind of tuned out. There were so many so many movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, I have no idea. Like, I, I want to watch these movies, but I don't know where to start anymore. Like, it feels, it feels like they're all connected, which initially I love that because it was like, oh, they're foreshadowing to this or whatever. Right, right. I was like, I don't know where, I don't know where to pick it up, you know? And like, yeah. like the streaming services don't have them in any specific order. Like, they, they honestly benefit if they have like, I know. Like, watch that's what. There are some websites that have posted the the chronological order of how they would be in the universe yeah, yeah. so that's how i've been watching them in, so in not in to... not in release order but in like the universe oh, chronological okay. order like star wars one through six or whatever right yeah so yeah 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 exactly yeah. yeah so it makes a whole lot more sense that way yeah 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 i i i, I saw one of those charts and i was like okay this is where we left off this, this is the movie we need to watch and tried to find it on any of the streaming services, and that was the one that was So I was like, well, I guess it's not meant to be. So. <laughs> yeah, there there are, for some reason, uh, on Disney Plus, some noticeable uh, missing uh, movies from the... So, like, The Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man Homecoming are not on there. So I'm like, what are you, what are you guys trying to do? How are you going to be have all the all these Marvel movies but like have some some gaps in there. They need to, right. they need to get their life together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that is that it? That that is that is my uh which do you like uh Mortega with Micah Ortega. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Um I wanna circle back on the three fifty beer because I found it. So they called it Upbeats and Beatdowns, and it was a ginger Kolsch with fresh lemon zest, which uh, I forgot about that, but that sounds interesting. I would try that again. Well, sounds refreshing. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, we brought up this other beer on the pod before, but did you ever see this home brewer? This guy, Ben Helms, made a The End is Beer. <laughs> no. Beer? <laughs> it's um, a blueberry comb 78 ale. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I think it's like a blueberry beer. Anyway, I, I want that guy to, to get his beer out of the world too. So yeah, that's uh, cool. <laughs> I support five iron beers. Nice. 
Um, Micah, before you go, I want to, it would be, uh, we would be remiss to not mention the rap album, DJ Mazaika and Alan the Fisherman. Um, can you, can you talk about that? We desperately tried to find it and could not find it, but yeah, all, <laughs> all right, right on. I mean, send us one. How did that, how did that <laughs> come to be? And, and, and what does it sound like? Um, it is, it, it, it can be, there was, there was a guy who lived in Atlanta who mm-hmm. came to Five Iron Shows. He was a rap guy, and, uh, but he liked, he liked the lyricism of Reese stuff. And uh, so he um, would come to the shows, and, and uh, me, me being a rap fan, we'd, we'd bond on the stuff we were listening to at the time. And uh, we'd hang out. My dog is like totally. <laughs> hey, buddy! <laughs> Gotta scratch that itch. Yeah. Um, my dog would. Um, my dog. Uh, uh, so me and me and Alan, we'd we'd hang out and talk, you know, music for hours. That whenever we'd come through in Atlanta and stuff, and mm-hmm. he had thought about <clears throat> moving out to to Denver to do music and do music with me. And so he did, and we started working on some music, and and uh, he was definitely more of the driving force behind behind the whole thing. And uh, I just did what I could to, to help record that for him. You know? so okay. We did um, that that record. Uh, it's called just called rap music, and it's you know. And I honestly can't even remember what it sounds like. It's been so long. <laughs> okay. Um, you can you can hear him. He he changes changes his name from Alan the Fisherman to Soul Daddy. Right. Okay. If you can find find that on most streaming services. Okay. So he did. He, me and him did uh, a record together called A Safe Place. Okay. And. Um, I just, I just, I recorded it for him and mixed it for him. And he, I don't think I, I think I maybe did one song on there and played like a guitar background thing. Just on, okay. I mean, the intro track. Okay. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's another one where he, he was the main driving force. I was just trying to help him okay. uh, make his goals cool. realized. So. Yeah, I was wondering oh, wait, if I you think had, we. Like, had... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if you like scratched at all on the on the record with him. I did, yeah, I did oh. a little bit, yeah. Nice. Uh, so I think I did that on the, the opening track and the closing. Okay. Track. Cool. The closing track, I think, is called uh, the closing track is cool. If you, if you have a subwoofer, it's in, in, instrumental. Okay. Uh, it's called. Okay. It's um. It's a cool tune. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, R- Ritual Fire Dance is what it's called. Cool. And it's a um, it's just it's just an instrumental track that I, I sampled uh, cla- a classical tune, and I wanted to have uh, something that would shake some some subwoofers, and so I made that. So if you have a system with some subwoofers, it'll 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 rattle the room. So that's nice. awesome. Yeah, we got it. We got to listen to this. Yeah, and there's there's some I mean, little, little little small. You know, I mean, it's not like I'm going crazy on the trickles. It's just uh, a little jibby into it, you know, whatever. Sure. So, All right. but it feels pretty good. 
I think the peak of your hip hop performances would probably have to be. I mean, I'm assuming the the pants rock opera is like the the, <laughs> the straight the straight bars, the fire bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was all freestyle, by the way. <laughs> what? Yeah, I knew nothing was written. Just, just off just off the dome. That's straight <laughs> straight yeah. genius, bro. It's like rap battle stuff right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. In, in the in the uh, in the studio, I was out in the lobby there. And uh, UMP Raps was on. I was watching uh, Dr. Dre, and so it was my turn to, to go in. I was, that was that was what was on my my head, you know. So, <laughs> uh, well, it found its place in in music history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was yeah. an amazing uh, an amazing yeah. song for us, certainly. Uh, I, think, I, th- I think that was my number one. Was that my number one? It, it was your number one. Yeah, I think it was my number one for the for the <laughs> for the the top three pants. Yeah, we but, uh, we did a top three <laughs> songs for just the pants uh, yeah. opera specifically. So. As it should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Yes, um, Micah, is there anything you want to plug before you go? Um, no, not really. I mean, if, if you get a chance. Uh, Check out uh, an old record uh, by a band called uh, Soul Junk. Yeah, okay. Sure. 1957. Mm-hmm. And if you hear any, any turntables on that, that's me. Cool. Oh, nice. Um, it's, that's exper- awesome. it's experimental hip hop. It's, like, it's super out there. It's super out there. Cool. When yeah, did that, guys... when, what year did that come out? Oh, man. That was, <clears throat> I want to say, 2002 maybe 2001 okay because you guys had toured with them at some point right yeah yeah, yeah. and then and then, and then <clears throat> me and me and uh uh yes glenn, glenn and uh slow row <laughs> uh we we did a tour maybe two two tours together so they cool. they were they were rapping and i was i was the music i was doing dj stuff so that's awesome. Man. We did a West Coast tour, and I think we did a little bit East Coast tour as well. Cool. So yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see you on the turntables at some point again. And in- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time, man. This has been yeah. a long time coming. We've really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, it's been fun. It, Thanks for taking the time as well. That too, like really, you you spent way more time on on this stuff than is. I mean, really. <laughs> It's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty amazing and, and, and really like it's just it's pretty amazing and like thanks for you know picking picking apart all this stuff and it's been really cool to to hear the stuff that I've heard has been like pretty pretty awesome and, and you guys have uh, a, a ability to, to see behind the scenes without seeing behind the scenes it's pretty cool mm-hmm. sweet thanks so much man really appreciate it man yeah all right take cool. care all right <laughs> take care man. Thank you so much to Mike Ortega. Long time coming. Really enjoyed talking to that dude. Very thoughtful guy. Uh, had a lot of fun getting to know him a little better. Um, if you enjoyed our talk with Micah and would like to weigh in, you can do so at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't yet already. And give us a rating or review, and we'll read your review on the pod. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 872-7-MAGPOD. 
support us over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Pick up some sweet MagPod merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. And uh, thanks to our shadow producer, Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl. Thanks to Heavy Ardent Studios and Danny Lear for our artwork. I also wanted to say thanks to the dudes at the Common Creatives Podcast. Uh, I guested on their pod, and that will be coming out today, the same day that this is dropping. Um, we talk about uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. It's a super cool podcast. Uh, it's a, a composer and a listener, Will, who's a uh, who's got a PhD in comic books, uh, exploring creativity through the art and media they love. And they are on uh, the Rock Candy Network uh, with Matt Langston of Fast Feeling and 11 11 11 <laughs> So go check that out uh thanks to those guys so you're saying that it, he has a phd in comic books then he probably would have done better uh he probably would have gotten more than one out of five on the marvel <laughs> i would hope so I, I have like a ged in comics at best um <laughs> but uh but thanks to the common creatives well time is winding down but only for this episode we want you to be found enjoying the next episode Our side is-